Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Don't have a doubt. Anybody you ask would say they'd want to go to heaven. But there's so many thoughts out there about how to get there. The Bible is really clear that one must be born again. And so if we understand that the Bible says we must be born again, then we should look to the Bible that will tell us exactly what that means. So today, I want to tell you from John chapter 3 exactly what it means to be born again. Billy Graham says this, Billy Graham, not Hank Meadows. 75% of all church members are lost and going to hell. Just look around. 75%. That's a crazy big number. So in reading that and, and talking with um, one of my mentors, and he increased Hank, your people need to know exactly what the Bible says about being born again. So today I want to tell you exactly scripturally. I don't want to tell you anything. Let me back up. I want to show you what the Bible says about being born again. And then my prayer is that in your heart, you would right now be opening your heart to let the Holy Spirit in to say... Yes, I am. Or no, I'm not. See, some of you, being honest, you'll hear the Spirit saying you're not really saved, yet you'll be too prideful to walk down front. Eternity is a long time to be wrong because of pride. So as I was preparing to begin this, I I thought about this song that we sang last week called Blessed Assurance. You know, back in the day, uh, the hymns, I love the hymns, man. Hymn writers were a lot of pastors. And to get their people to understand the truth of Scripture, they would write hymns. Giving theological truth so that you may not can remember a bunch of memory verses or a bunch of Scripture, but you can remember a song. Listen to the words. This is truly about being born again. Blessed assurance. By the way, let me just stop. Jesus does not want you to have a hope-so faith. Hello. He wants you to have a no-so faith. He don't want you to say, if somebody says, or do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I hope so. What kind of life is that? He wants you to know that you know that you know that you know. And by the way, for that, for that one out there that may say, well, preacher, you don't know that. Yes, you can. I'm going to show you today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. That's how you get saved, the purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Michaela, where are you at? Raise your hand, Michaela. Oh, yeah, there you are. Michaela, I want you to know something. That water right there? doesn't save you. That water is nothing but obedience. Down the road when somebody says, Michaela, are you saved? Well, I was baptized. Don't nobody need to know the date you were baptized. The day you said yes to Jesus. That's salvation. That's obedience. Don't ever confuse the two. 
And anybody else that's out here, if you were to be asked today, and somebody would say, when were you born again? Well, I was baptized. Don't nobody care about your baptism day. Is it important? Yes. But it's obedience, not salvation. When you're washed in the blood is when you're saved. Perfect submission. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels ascending bring from above echoes of mercy. Whispers of love. That is salvation. That's born again. And then I love this. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I was thinking as you guys were... Man, that's my family, y'all. I'm going to brag about them. I'm not going to brag about my preaching. I'm going to brag about my family. I was saying, I was thinking while you guys were singing, it is well. Just being honest, that's easy to say when things are good. But can you say it when your world's falling apart? That'll speak to you about your born againness. If in the middle of your whole life falling apart, you can still say, it is well with my soul. The truth about being born again, let's stand at the reading of God's Word. John chapter 3. Probably the most famous verse of all the Scripture is found in this chapter. I'm going to try to read it without stopping. I'm going to fail. But I'll say up front, I'm trying to read it without stopping. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Some people want to argue points that are ridiculous to argue. Well, why did he come at night? I don't know. Why do you care? Has nothing to do with your salvation experience. Either he came because he couldn't wait or he came because he didn't want the other Pharisees to see him. What does it matter? But notice Jesus. Jesus doesn't even answer that question. He didn't even deal with that. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, some of you here today, you are putting the fact of you being in the kingdom of God, it is based upon your baptism day. It is based upon some emotional truth. It's based upon something else other than being born again. Friends, I want you to understand today, when you walk out of these doors, the key that unlocks the ability for you to enter the portal of heaven is if you're born again. Nothing else. Nicodemus said, how? I just find it funny, just throw it out. He didn't say why. He just said, how? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. <coughs> and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can I tell you if I, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Father, God, would You move right now. Settle down on this place. God, may You be exalted. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Three truths here. She can come in with that baby, y'all. It's okay. Babies don't bother me. I love babies. Let me give you the truth for all ages. Here it is. You must be born again. Okay? That's the truth for all ages. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. The word again there also means from above. So it doesn't just mean when he says there in verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless one is born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So that's important because let me tell you three things that speaks about. That statement itself speaks about three things about me and you. Number one, our sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that each and every one of us, as we are born, are sinners. You see, when mama sinner loves daddy sinner a lot, they'll make baby sinner. That's how that works. And see, then you'll say this. Well, when you sin, you become a sinner. No, dear one, you sin because you are a sinner. That is who you are on the inside. You're a sinner at heart. Just listen, babies are selfish. They expect you to change them. They expect you to feed them. It's all about them. If they don't get their way, what do they do? Cry. Can I get a witness? Bunch of selfish babies. There you go. They got two back there. They're selfish, man. They're just selfish. You ever thought about that you're a baby in Christ? You're the same way. You've got to grow up too. So, listen, the fact that we have to be born again speaks to our sin, but all secondly, it speaks to our flesh. James chapter 1. You can look over if you want to, verse 14. You, you ever thought about this? Man, we will give, we'll give so much credit to the enemy, but none to Jesus. Something will happen in our life that Jesus has moved things and He's brought about some miraculous thing or He's brought you through something. We'll say, whew, I'm glad that's over. Man, I barely got through it. Or, man, wasn't that a coincidence that it had happened? And a lot of times I'm going, bro, that's a work of Almighty God. Why will you not give Him credit? But yet you, you let something bad happen in your life. Here's what we do. The devil made me do it. There's a word for that when you say that. 
Liar. Liar. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. No, you did it because you wanted to do it. You did it because your flesh wanted and desired that. Oh, the, the enemy may dangle a carrot out there, but here's the truth. The enemy cannot make you do anything. He cannot. Now, he can try to persuade you. He can try to whisper. And he can dangle a carrot. But it is when you, the Bible says, when you are tempted and enticed by your own desire, your flesh craves that which is ungodly. It started in the garden. So the fact that we have to be born again, number one, speaks to our sin. Number two, speaks to our flesh. And number three, speaks to our future. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. And he doesn't mean no physical death. What he's speaking about there is eternal separation from God. That's what makes hell, hell. It's no Christ. You are completely separated. The Bible talks about there, uh, somewhere in Luke chapter, I think 19, I might be wrong, it's like 19. There's a great gulf fixed, or Luke 16, I'm sorry. There's a great gulf fixed between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. You cannot cross over. So if you're sitting here today, I want you to tell you something. You're a sinner, you're always in your flesh, and you're bound for hell. There you go. Some of you ought to run to the altar now if that's the case in your life. Because hell is real. And if you don't come by the way of the cross, you will go to hell. Preacher, I don't appreciate you saying that. If the Holy Spirit moves into your heart and draws you, you'll be appreciative. Or I can promise you this, if you end up in a place called hell, I believe part of hell is going to be remembering every time a preacher loved you so much, he told you about the horrificness, horrificness of hell. That's the truth for everybody. You must be born again. The word must there is a necessity. But number two, the truth for all people. You know, we're going to board a plane, me and Amy and Mona go board a plane in just a few weeks, and Jared and got guys and girls from his church. We're going to board a plane for Curitiba, Brazil. Now, when I go, this will be in my backpack. This Bible right here. You see, I don't, I don't leave America and fly down to Brazil and Curitiba and get the Brazilian Bible. Because that's a different gospel for the Brazilians. No. It's the same truth. You see, there's not, I want, I want to correct some things because some people in society have said stuff like this. Jesus is the Jesus for the white man. He's a Jesus for the black man. He's a Jesus for the yellow man. He's a Jesus for any color man. He is the Jesus for all people. Period. They're, they're, you, don't, you don't preach Jesus different wherever you go. 
It's the same message. So right here in John chapter 3, he tells us how to be born again. And listen, let's keep on looking. He says, you must be born. What does he say? Truly, I truly, unless you are born of water and the Spirit. Now, so that number one, you've got to be born of water. Now, some people will believe that, say it. And some people that I trust say that that just means you've got to be born. Duh. But I believe it means something different. I believe if you look in all of Scripture, you're going to see that word, that water is, I believe, a key for something else, which is the Word. That there has to be something about the Word. And by the way, if it's not this Word, hello, Jesus is also the Word. So it deals with Jesus, I do believe. And John said, flip over, John 17, 17, in that high priestly prayer, Jesus said these words to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. In other words, transform them, mold them, make them in the truth. And then he says this, your word is truth. That's why it's so vitally important as a believer that daily you spend time in the Word so that this Word can transform you. Notice I didn't say conform, but transform you to different parts and it will make you different. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. We look at Ephesians. This is a great marriage passage. It talks about the roles of a husband and of a wife. But he makes a connection because it's all about a picture of, by the way, marriage is be a picture of Jesus Christ and his church. Jesus the groom, the church is the bride. And then it says this in verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water of the word. This word will cleanse you. Washes away grit but let me give it one more and here's how it does it go to hebrews chapter 4 hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 for the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart it's about repentance because when this word gets in you and it moves in you it stirs your heart to understand that you are a sinner that you are not in line with god and so the word moves it draws you to repentance and you're like oh my goodness i'm not good because the world will say well you know you're a pretty good person the bible says there are none righteous no not one well, you know, I haven't murdered anybody, and I haven't uh, uh, stole, and I haven't done this. I'm sorry. You ever take a paperclip? Hello? If you did, you're a thief. It doesn't matter the value. It matters that it wasn't yours. You ever have a lustful thought? Okay, so you're an adulterer. Wait a minute. You ever, you ever just flat hated somebody? And if you say you haven't, you lying in the sanctuary. So now you're a murderer. I thought you said you was good. So just in the last 30 seconds, I've proven that you're a thief, you're an adulterer. And you're a murderer. Now run, tell that. Come on, tell me how good you is. Somebody, if, if you've not done any of those things, stand up and throw a Broadman hymnal, whole, um, um, hymnal at me and a King James 9, 16, 11 version Bible. Throw it at me. Problem is, you know I'm right. And we could go on. 
There is no, if you don't like the word righteousness, let me put it to you this way. That the ESV says, there's none good. No, not one. So you need the word to bring about repentance in your heart and the need for repentance. Then secondly, he talks about the spirit. Now, the word for spirit and wind is the same in the Bible. In the verse, I love it. The wind blows where it wishes you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. Wind just doesn't, you, you can't see it, but you can see the effects. You, you can't tell it where to go, it's going to go where it wants to. And, and so I've been asked all week, I love you guys. Here's, I've gotten this text all week. What do you think's happening in Asbury? Is it real? Let me say this. I have no clue. Time will tell if it's real. Here's my prayer, though. Dear Jesus, let it start here. Let it start here. That we would get under such conviction like they are there. And then some, you get some old preachers that think they're holier than thou. I'm talking about preachers, so y'all be quiet. I'm going to talk about myself for a minute. Here's what they'll say. Well, God wouldn't show up there. That's a Methodist institution. Are you nuts? Or how about this? Or, or it's gone all the way to some Lutheran colleges. What? You wonder why they hate Baptist preachers? Because we're stupid. God can show up when and where God wants to show up. And it is not, listen, by the way, and if you got to work it up, it's not of God. We act like the Baptist got an edge on something. You may tell you what we got the edge on? Being idiots. You think I'm kidding? Show up here, God. I would love it if right at the invitation time, God so settled that we had this place full and it went on for hours and days and days. And let me make this statement. Some people might question it, but if it changed your life, wouldn't you be happy? We want to quench anything that we can't control. Can I make this statement? You can't control the Holy Spirit. We're scared of the Spirit in the Baptist church. Matter of fact, I'll go a step further. We're scared of the Holy Spirit in the white church. Quote, unquote. You know why? Because we can't control Him. I'm saying and I'm praying, break out, Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from where it goes. That's the Holy Spirit. If you ain't got the Holy Spirit residing in you, you're not going to heaven. You see, it's the Holy Spirit. This is when He regenerates you. See, He comes in that moment of salvation. He regenerates you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says He makes you a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And listen, by the way, when He said this, you know why He said this? You've got to be born again because a baby has no past. Oh, Lord. See, some of y'all saying, well, if you knew who I was, or if, I, if you knew their past, hey, they've been born again, they don't got a past, they just got a future. 
And that future is bound up in Jesus Christ. And if some good Baptist, I'm ripping on Baptist today, if some good Baptist would come alongside and say, let me walk with you and help you and open up the Word with you and love on you, maybe more folk would live a sanctified life. Maybe more folk would want to be better in line with Jesus Christ than just say, well, there they go talking about me again, so I'm going to go live like the world again. Baby only has a future. They only got a future. Them two little babies right there and that little man right there and this little one's over here. They, they don't have a past, do they? If you say they do, you're an idiot. Boy, this is a good sermon. Y'all, y'all visitors, this is a real good sermon. I didn't use the word idiot five times. All they have is a future. We, we don't know what the twins will be when they grow up. We don't know. Here's my prayer. They'll be preachers of the gospel missionaries, Sunday school teachers, deacons, people that just love Jesus. You need repentance. This is what he's saying. Repentance and regeneration. That's what you need to be born again. Then let's get to the truth about it. It's a man. It's a man. What did it take to be born again? It's all about a man. See, repentance and regeneration is bound up in Jesus too. Notice verse 15. And as Moses lifted, verse 14, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's the drawing from a man. Because he goes over to John chapter 12. He says, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's a story back in Numbers. They're in the wilderness, being a bunch of pagans like they were, stiff-necked. I'm going to use biblical terminology. Hard-hearted and stiff-necked. That describes the average Christian of the day. And so they sent in serpents. Some of y'all would have died just on seeing them come, wouldn't you? I know two people that would have. My brother and my father-in-law. Two most scared people of snakes I've ever seen in my life. So them serpents are coming. He had Moses make a bronze one and put it up on a, on a stick. And he said, if you'll but look, because there's a picture, he knew what was coming. If you'll just put it on a stick and folk will look at it, I'll save them. I have to wonder. You reckon anybody had to stick right behind them and refuse to look up? All they had to do was salvation to look up. They wouldn't have died. And some of you are going, well, that's crazy. They should have just looked up. Some of you, you only need to look to Jesus. <laughs> and you refuse to. I'm not being mean, but there's an old boy in the early morning. Under conviction. But he wouldn't look to Jesus. It totally broke my heart. Some of you here tonight, today, why won't you look to Jesus? It's written on your face that He's drawing you. It's written on your face. But yet, you walk out of that door and you'll say something like this, maybe next time. What if there's not a next time? 
He's drawing today. See, some of you are like, I'm here because mama made me. It doesn't matter how you got here, but he's drawing you. Let me give you the second point in this passage. Not only the drawing from the man, the offering of the man. For God so loved the world, he gave. Now we read that word gave, and we think about just here. God gave. God, by the way, God's always a giver, never a taker. The enemy is only a taker, never a giver. Hello. You may think He gave you something to make you happy. He's taken your testimony and your life. So I looked up that. I did a little research in the concordance. By the way, every Christian ought to have a concordance. I looked up that word gave. It means to commit, to entrust. But you keep reading the definitions of that word and listen to this. It means to smite and to strike with the hand. What? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And if you read what gave means, to strike and to smite His only Son. Some of you are going, wait a minute, that makes no sense. Oh, really? Oh, really? You don't think that makes sense? Go to John chapter 10. Let's just see who really killed Jesus. See, some of us will say, well, it was the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. Hmm. Yeah, they played a part. Well, it was the Romans. They're the ones that put him on the cross. Hmm, true, true. You're right. I didn't ask that. Who killed him? In John chapter 10, verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life. What? That I lay down my life and I take it up again. No one, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. Jesus offered up himself. I give you somebody else who did it. Go to Isaiah 53. God the Father did it. In verse 4, we read that He was smitten by God and afflicted. But then in verse 10, listen to what this says. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush Him. That word crush there, it means literally means the stomping of grapes to make grape juice. It means a picture. So you get the picture of someone having grapes in a barrel and they take off the shoes and they begin to crush those grapes to get the juice out. Jesus Christ was crushed so His blood would pour out so that we could sing that hymn, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He did it so that He could cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. It's by His blood and nothing else that you're saved. It's by His blood that washes your sins away, that makes you as white as snow. It is not some stinking water. It's not some emotional experience. It's not because your mom was a Christian. It's not because you were baptized a little bit. It is only because you in your sin said yes to Jesus. That ought to make a Baptist shout. God did it. And yet we walk around like God owed it to us. 
Another way to look at that is this. I love the New King James says, yet it pleased the Father to crush Him. My goodness. And we want to act like our sins are no big deal. We want to act like we're better than everybody else. Let me tell you something, dear one. You can sit with your little higher and holier than thou little attitude and you are no better than anybody else in this building. The ground is level at the foot of the cross because we are all a bunch of sinners and we all need Jesus. It's called substitutionary atonement. I know some of you are going, well, you had to throw in a big word, didn't you? Let me tell you what it means. It means I'm walking to take the beating myself. And here's Jesus said, no, no, Hank, I'll go. Then I was walking to Mount Calvary so I would take the nails. And Jesus said, no, no, Hank, I'll go. I'll be your substitute. I'll take the beating you should take. And I'll take the nails on the cross that you should take. And then when you accept me, God the Father won't see Hank. He'll see the finished work of Jesus Christ. And He'll see Jesus in me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So the truth is that we're drawing. He's drawing you. He's drawing some of you right now. He's the offering of the man. Then, then thirdly, the believing in the man. See, some of you here today say, well, I, I believe God. I believe the Bible. I believe it. Well, so do the demons. The Bible says the demons believe it. They tremble. Some of you don't even tremble. It's believing in Him. See, that two-letter word is so important. Here's what you're saying. Can't get there on my own. So I'm going to take my life and I'm going to place it in you. I'm going to entrust you with it. I'm going to say, you got it, Jesus. Do with it what you want. Because I believe. See, people tell you this. You really think he died, rose again. Can I make this statement? It is in liberal history books that Jesus Christ was a man. It is in history books that says he even died. Can I make this statement? Most of history recorded will have three or four witnesses to it. That makes it a fact. Jesus Christ had over 500 people who saw Him alive after He died. Including His brother James, who was a non-believer. And let me tell you this, some of you, you may lie for people, you may go to the woodshed and may take a beating for somebody for a lie, but are you going to die? You think Paul would have left his life when Paul had it made to go get his head cut off for a lie? That brother made Jesus, met Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week. You've got to believe in Him. And then lastly, you've got to live in Him. I just cannot move past the statement that Bruce Crowderfield said a few weeks ago about Job. Job... Let God have the prerogative with His life. Do whatever. That's what you need to have about Jesus. 
God, just be God of my life. You lead me in the hard places, you lead me in the easy places. We'll sing that song, wherever He leads, I'll go. Oh, it sounds so good. But we lie so much. We don't mean that. We don't mean that. Wherever you lead me in the good times, Lord, I'll go. Whenever you don't lead me in the good times, I'm not going. You know how... He frees you. Are you with me today? He frees you. You want to be free? You want to be free? You want to be free? Come to Jesus. Because see, Jesus says, there is therefore now no condemnation. You, you don't believe me? Look there in John chapter 3. He says it right there. He says, He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but in that order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. I don't have to live like a stinking slave. I'm a son, Beth. I'm free. I get the whole house and the barn and the fields. I'm not in the slave market of sin no more. God paid my debt. And then he says, only thing he ever says, I'm going to get more into this next week, so I'm trying not to get into that. All he ever says is, just let your light shine. Your life shouldn't look like the world. Your life should look like Jesus. Y'all think I'm kidding when I say this. We'd ever get hold of that truth. We'd pack this place. Let them see Jesus in you. Let them see Jesus in you. They'll warn it, I promise. Can I ask you a question today? Based on everything you've heard out of God's Word, are you born again? Have you been born by water and spirit? Have you ever come to realize your sin? Do you understand without the water and without the spirit, you don't go to heaven? You can't fake it till you make it. Unless one be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God.